MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, February 8th, 2021. Today, Fox News joins the cancel culture by booting Lou Dobbs off the air. The pink hat bullhorn lady is arrested for her role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Biden tells ABC that Trump should not continue to get intelligence briefings. Michael Flynn reemerges. ICE threatened detainees with quarantining them with people known to be infected with COVID. Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman files paperwork to run for Senate. Two Republican representatives are fined for skirting the metal detectors in the House of Representatives. And Roger Stone is fucked. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. And the jinx continues. The news has not slowed down at all. Not Um, even a little. So we're here at Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, we're going to go over the headlines from the weekend. And I also want to invite everyone to join Dana and I Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time on the Stereo app. It's free to download. It's this cool live interactive chat thing, and it's super fun. So follow us. I'm I'm at Allison Gill. And, and what's your handle, Dana? It's just DG Comedy. And uh, it's super fun. And, and we're a little more irreverent. We've got exclusive content on that live show. And, uh, and if you're a patron, we post it on Patreon after it's done so you can listen to it. And you can listen to them, all of our past shows, on Stereo right now if you want to. So... The last one was delightful. We asked the listeners to sing uh, their questions in the in a specific <laughs> tune, and wouldn't you know it, they did, and it brought me a tremendous amount of joy. Yes, at least four questions, two in the musical stylings of the girl from Ipanema. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, so did you? I had a I had a pretty relaxing weekend. Like it's nice. The sun is shining. Uh, Trump's not on Twitter. He's not in the White House. It was kind of it was nice. Yeah, it it is nice, and you know who knows? Maybe the Super Bowl uh, winners will choose to visit the White House this year, depending on uh, what happens mm. as we record this. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, my money is on uh, Mahomes and Mine the, too. the Chiefs. Uh, I, I personally just think for the soul of the nation, we need to beat Tom Brady, but that's just <laughs> me. I think Mahomes is adorable. I think he's a hell... I, I, Mahomes, to me, is going to be, and people can argue this, the Michael Jordan of football like he can be running one direction literally throw across his body when you think he's being torn down by three offensive players and wouldn't you know boom there's a reception mm. it's pretty incredible yeah he can hit a target it's it's, it's he's incredible my browns played them lost uh which is why uh kansas city was able to move on and and uh, beat our guys but well deserved and a very good very good looking sports ball team i know a lot of you don't listen to sports watch sports don't care about sports i totally <laughs> understand and i know there's a lot of patriots fans out there too and a, a lot of tom brady fans but he's about bucks now but like you know hey whatever i'm i'm rooting for the chiefs um and that's just that's how it goes today now uh and my my square numbers are six for Kansas City and three for the Bucks. So we'll see. I actually have not ugly square numbers. I have zero for Kansas City and four for the Bucks. Mm. And so there's there's a possibility. Those aren't awful, um, but you know that would have to be like a twenty to fourteen. So a f- couple field goals and some. Qu- you know what? We just lost half the listeners. We should probably just move on. <laughs> 
No, they're like, where's the news, please? Well, we have a lot. Ellie Honig is joining us later to talk about RICO charges. He is a RICO pro when he was a U.S. attorney uh, at the at a prosecutor at the Southern District of New York. That's what he did. So he's going to talk about RICO charges being brought up against the insurrectionists. Uh, it's kind of like comedy week uh, here. On the Daily Beans on Wednesday, we're going to be talking to Margaret Show. That'll that'll come out on Thursday. Uh, it's always comedy day here because Dana Goldberg is here. And then, of course, we've got Tony B this week and we've got a couple other people on the docket. So that should be fun. So it'll be a nice kind of giving you some in, you know, later on in the show, some uh, some, you know, things to do, some self-care stuff. Comedy laughter is very important to me. So stay tuned for that. All right, we do have a lot of news to get to, and uh, that's why you're here. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, the lead story today. <laughs> Last December 18th, Michael Flynn participated in a raucous White House meeting. Okay, now I'm not going to do the sportscaster stuff. <laughs> but here we go. Last December 18th, as we know, December 18th is a big day for Michael Flynn. It was his first sentencing. His second sentencing was supposed to happen then. He played like December 18th should be Michael Flynn sucks day. Well, he participated this December 18th, this past one, in that White House meeting, that ruckus White House meeting uh, in which Sidney Powell proposed that the president appoint her as special counsel to investigate voter fraud. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Trump at one point raised the idea, and this is the breaking news from this Washington Post story, he raised the idea of putting Flynn in charge of the FBI. Oh, jeez. Could you imagine? Uh, yeah, I was going to fire Christopher Ray and put Flynn in charge of the FBI. And then later suggested making him chief of staff for the final weeks of his administration. And that's according to Trump and Flynn associates familiar with the conversations, all of whom spoke on the condition of anonymity to avoid angering either man. I am sure they did. <laughs> so whether the president was serious about the idea is an open question, but Flynn shot them down, saying he needed to focus on paying off millions of dollars in legal debts he had amassed fighting off the Russia investigation. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, you know, Trump was like, I'll "Give you a pardon, but you need to borrow money." I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any either. I'm working on selling secrets from given to me by Michael Ellis, who yeah, I just installed as the Lord. NSA general counsel. Now, Flynn's plan for paying those bills appears to be relying on leveraging his public persona into cash. Uh, there are T-shirts and other merchandise that he's selling through a company called Shirt Show <laughs> USA. <laughs> I don't understand. Is he going to start a fans only account? Like this is horrifying. <laughs> yeah, you get you get videos of Michael Flynn's feet on all the fans. Uh, <laughs> the website features it's called the Shirt Show, which is fucking hilarious. It features shirts emblazoned with hashtag Fight Like a Flynn and camouflage trucker hats that say WWG One WGA, which is the QAnon where we go one we go all thing. Oh, wow. Um, then there's his new media venture, Digital Soldiers, which will publish reader-submitted stories. Mr. Flynn is building it with Uncover DC, a website that has pushed QAnon and conspiracy theories about the COVID-19 pandemic, and Biden. So the tenor of Digital Soldiers is unmistakably QAnon. This is, of course, the movement centered on the claim that Trump, secretly aided by the military, was elected to smash a cabal of Democrats, international financiers, and deep state bureaucrats whose worship of Satan and abuse of children is renowned. Now, the the supposed dishonesty of the mainstream media is central to QAnon and digital soldiers, a phrase followers often use to describe themselves, represents Flynn's fullest embrace of QAnon to date. Quote, digital soldiers from all over the world have stepped up to fill the void where real journalism once stood. Unquote. Now, this past summer, Flynn posted a video of himself taking the QAnon digital soldier oath. 
Uh, to many of the movement's followers, Flynn ranks just below Trump. Some have speculated he is the mysterious figure known as Q. He's not. Oh, my God. Uh, he is not. <laughs> and uh, a, a new video has surfaced showing Trump's longtime advisor, Roger Stone, in Washington, D.C., uh, on the morning of January 6th, and he was flanked by members of the Oath Keepers Militia Group, and that was just hours before the deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building. In the video, which was obtained by ABC News, Stone takes pictures and mingles with the supporters outside a D.C. hotel as Oath Keepers hover around him, one wearing a baseball hat and a military-style vest branded with the Militia Group's logo. And you can hear him say, so hopefully we have this today, right? That's one supporter asking Stone in the video, which was posted just after 10 a.m. on the morning of the insurrection. And Stone says, we shall see. What they're referring to, I don't know. My guess is the attack on the Capitol. Now, Stone has maintained that he played no role whatsoever in the January 6th events. And he has repeatedly said he never left the site of his hotel until leaving for Dulles, the airport, that afternoon. He also has decried attempts to ascribe him to the motives of the people around him. Also, Pink Bullhorn Lady has been arrested, and the maximum potential penalties if convicted are to- they, more than 41 years in prison and fines totaling $600,000. Uh, it probably won't be close to that, but those are the maximum. And the, the, the maximums. And the U.S. Attorney's Office in Western Pennsylvania is calling for her detention, arguing Powell is a danger to the community, that's her name, and a serious flight risk who may attempt to obstruct justice or intimidate witnesses. The FBI court document says Powell can be heard saying she has been inside the Capitol building in the adjacent room and that they should coordinate together if you're going to take this building and that they have another window to break. Uh, They identify her photos and videos. They say show Powell crawling over a breached window of the Capitol and then inside the Capitol. Uh, The FBI says other video shows Powell holding a, a cell phone as she enters with a large crowd of rioters who were forcing law enforcement to retreat. So we'll keep you posted on what happens with her. Uh, very interesting. Um, so that's well, yeah. I hope what happens with her is a lot of time behind bars. Uh, mm-hmm. This next story uh, from Pennsylvania. This comes out of Pennsylvania. Now I, I love this. Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. Um, if you don't follow this guy, you really should. <laughs> I mean, he's the guy I want to pick in a bar fight. If I'm ever in a bar fight, I want Fetterman somewhere near me. Yep. He's a beast in a, in the most beautiful way. Um, so he has formally filed papers to run for an open U.S. Senate seat. The first major candidate to enter what is expected to be one of the most competitive contests of the midterm elections. So Fetterman, uh, he's basically t- he teased a run opening a campaign account in January that he said raised more than a million in just its first two weeks. He filed a statement for candidacy with the Federal Elections Commission on Thursday. So Fetterman's team said the paperwork, a regular step required by federal law, did not amount to a formal announcement yet, but Fetterman 51 has stood out as an outside-the-box politician, yes, he is in the best of ways, who lives in a converted car dealership. He stands six feet tall, six feet eight inches. When I'm telling you this man is a tower, he's a beautiful (laughs) specimen. He stands six feet eight inches tall and sports a tattoo of his zip code in Brodick, an industrial town outside Pittsburgh. On his arm. So he has clashed this year with legislative Republicans. They actually booted him from his role overseeing the state Senate after um, an altercation overseeing a Democratic senator. It was a very ugly day for democracy, if any of you watched that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pennsylvania political observers expect a hotly contested race to replace Senator Pat Toomey. As we know, he's a Republican. He said last year he would retire rather than seek another term. So Fetterman, uh, he actually lost a four-way primary for the right to challenge Toomey in 2016. Uh, He won't have the Democratic primary to himself 
we've got state senator uh, Sharif Street, who's a Democrat, has also filed papers to run. And Reps Chrissy Houlihan, Democrat, and Connor Lamb, also clearly a Democrat, are among the others considering their own futures. But Fetterman is very well respected in the political party up there, and they like that he's a fighter. So I would love to see him take the Senate seat. Yeah. He should be some sort of committee chair so he can just be giant and like be in the chair. Absolutely. Uh, now, this next story. I just started laughing. Fetterman in any committee chair, like yeah. in the actual chair, would look like Trump in front of a, that tiny desk. But not because the chair is tiny, because Fetterman is so big. <laughs> now, before I get to this next story, I want to do a content warning, because this is bone chilling, this story, and it's extremely upsetting. Three Cameroonian asylum seekers locked up at the Pine Prairie Ice Processing Center in Louisiana say that a U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Guard threatened to expose them to COVID-19 if they failed to obey his orders and submit to a transfer. The guard made the threat clear, according to Clovis Fazal. That's one of the detained men uh, who spoke to the intercept. If the detained migrants didn't submit, they would be transferred to Bravo Alpha, the detention unit where COVID-19 positive detainees are held in quarantine. Quote, they were forcing us out of the dorm, pushing and dragging us. Um, and they threatened to call the SWAT team. They said they were going to put all of us in Bravo Alpha, which is for quarantine, where they keep everyone with COVID. The Pine Prairie facility, which is operated by the private prison firm GEO Group, currently has 21 confirmed coronavirus cases, according to ICE's own tracker. So it could be higher. After the threat of the contagion, guards forcefully dragged and pushed the group of Cameroonian asylum seekers, five in total, yelling at them and repeatedly threatening them in an attempt to begin the deportation process. That's according to three of the detainees. In a statement, ICE said it takes allegations of misconduct seriously. Mm. Uh, when reported, we'll conduct investigations. Quote, allegations of misconduct by ICE employees or contractors are reported to ICE's Office of Professional Responsibility and are reviewed by the Department of Homeland Security Office of the Inspector General, who was fired a while back, by the way. Uh, ICE is firmly committed to the safety and welfare of all those in custody. Yeah, this is terrifying to threaten to put someone in quarantine with people known to be infected with COVID. It's also highly illegal. Yeah, and um, hopefully the new um, de uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary, Ali Mayorkas, will be on this. And hopefully there'll be a new inspector general who's not, you know, a Trump ally that will look into this. Um, in other news, Biden has told CNN he doesn't think Trump should continue to get intelligence briefings because of his erratic behavior. And Frank Fuglusi just penned a piece for CNN, uh, or excuse me, MSNBC, where he, he talks about what how Biden can do this. He can set a new precedent going forward, saying if a president wants intelligence briefings, it should be up to the intelligence communities and then approved by the president, and it should be on a need-to-know basis. There's been a couple times in the past, according to Fuglusi, and as we know, that this has been helpful, like when Carter went to Korea or, you know, when an ex-president wants to go overseas to try to help with diplomacy, they need to be briefed on certain things. And, and so you wouldn't give them just the general sweeping intelligence briefing, but, you know, you would give them the information that they would need to make the diplomatic trip. Uh, Trump offers no benefit in any foreign relations situation. Um, and so there's absolutely no reason to give him any any briefings. But, you know, Biden should be careful to just not put this on Trump and just say going forward for Absolutely. any any ex-president. Uh, and, and right now that would include Obama and Carter and, and Bush and, and be like, if any of them want to and Clinton, if any of them want to go back to do some diplomatic trip, then 
the intelligence agencies and the office of the director of national intelligence and the DNI would decide. And then the president, whoever the president is at the time, would approve of that briefing and the trip being made. And I think that that's probably the best way to make it apolitical at this point. Um, Also, Fox News has canceled Lou Dobbs. That's pretty cool. And uh, that's all I really have to say about that. Bye. Bye-bye. I know. Bye-bye. And, and two Republican representatives, Louis Gohmert, the dumbest man in Congress, and Andrew Clyde have been fined $5,000 each for skirting security measures on the House floor. So there's a little good news for you. That money will be deducted directly from their paychecks, and that's based on a resolution that the House passed saying you can be fined up to $10,000 for going around the metal detectors. Yeah, so this happens to be what they appear to be the two, the first two to be fined for this. Uh, a spokesperson for Gomer and Clyde did not respond to requests for comment, but Gomer issued a statement Friday night explaining that he had stepped out to use the restroom and did not know that he needed to be uh, re-screened on his way back in, which is just such bullshit. Um, so they both been five thousand five thousand dollars, as you said. Um, and there was a quote: "This is Gomert. He's such a schmuck. Unlike in the movie The Godfather, there are no <laughs> toilets with tanks where one could hide a gun. So my re-entry onto the house floor should have been a non-issue," Gomert said in statement. Uh, which is just, it's just such, it's so disrespectful to the institution right now, and the fact that several of his co-workers had their basically lives threatened what two weeks ago three weeks ago it's Mm -hmm. just infuriating gomert called the policy unconstitutional which what what the fuck ever and said he would appeal the (laughs) fine citing a portion of the constitution known as the speech or debate clause that provides lawmakers immunity from arrest for things they say or do during a speech or debate in congress Now, the clause is specifically designed to protect the legislative branch from interfering by the president or executive branch agencies and to insulate members from lawsuits and prosecutions based on actions carried out as part of their official duties. It is unclear uh, what, if any bearing, it would have on the capital security policies adopted by the members themselves. Now, think about this, AG. If he's saying he left to leave the restroom at that at that moment, he's no longer on the floor. Mm-mm. So this bullshit yeah. excuse about, you know, the speech and debate clause that provides lawmakers immunity from arrests or things they say or do during a speech or debate in Congress, he wasn't on the floor of Congress. So at this point, that's just not even apply to him. Go back through the mm-hmm. fucking metal detector, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And it sounds like we will likely see this in court next term. Uh, the argument being the legislative body can pass their own rules. And that's one of them. Uh, I don't think it violates that the speech or debate clause, but it'll end up in courts and we'll see. And speaking of the courts, we reported last week that the Department of Justice is considering RICO charges against insurrectionists. And that's according to Reuters. And I'll be joined after the break by former federal and state prosecutor Ellie Honig to talk about what that means. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Best Fiends. If you're looking for a fun way to have a stress-free relief time while engaging your brain and keeping your wits sharp, I have a recommendation for you. It is a super fun mobile game app with breathtaking visuals, very calming, cool-gripping stories. It's called Best Fiends. I'm pretty obsessed with Best Fiends. I'm already on, like, level 1400 because it's, it's a refreshing break from the news and politics and pandemics. And it's a great stress reliever. It's part of my self-care routine. I can 
focus on character collection and the challenging puzzles. They really keep my brain engaged, and it's really fun. I started playing Best Fiends once in a while as a quick distraction, and I was really captivated by the bright, beautiful visual design. It's more like a service than a game, and I got deeper into the story and the characters, most of which are bugs and the antagonists, which are slugs. And you can collect tons of characters, and you need to use them strategically. That's where the brain part comes in, so you can get past each level. I find myself playing more and more in weird places at random times, too, because you don't need the internet, so you don't have to worry about Wi-Fi access or using cell data. Best Fiends treats the game, like I said, like a service for their players. It's updated monthly with new levels and events, so it's always fresh. Uh, and uh, like I say, I just keep blasting through the levels. It's a unique and exciting puzzle experience, unlike any other games out there. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today we are joined by former federal and state prosecutor. Every Monday, it seems, these days, uh, there's something that's happened over the weekend. Ellie Honig, welcome. How are you? Good. I, You know, I don't think I realized that Monday was Ellie Honig Day. That kind of upsets me. I mean, if you had to pick any day to be your day, wouldn't Monday <laughs> be the last pick of the seven? <laughs> it's just such a packed news day because so much happens over the weekend. Yeah. And uh, something that went down, I believe on Friday, uh, I think Reuters was reporting that the Department of Justice is actually looking at RICO charges. And I went over this briefly, but I am no RICO expert by by no means, the, you know, what little I know was sort of what people were looking at in the Mueller investigation. So I was hoping uh, and very confident that you could tell us what RICO charges are and how that would apply to the insurrectionists that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. You've come to the right place yes. um, because when I was an organized crime prosecutor in the Southern District of New York, I charged and tried, I don't know, I maybe more RICO cases than anyone else or anyone but a few handful of people who are still around. So I have a lot of experience. One funny thing about RICO, which stands for the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations. It's actually an acronym. Um, one funny thing about the RICO statute, I, I laugh about this with some of my old um, organized crime colleagues. People love to say it because it sounds cool. Hit them with RICO. Hit them with RICO charges. <laughs> but nobody knows what it is or how it actually works. So, um, but listen, say it. It sounds cool. You know, RICO. Yeah, RICO. Um, so Here's what it is. It, it, it is a federal law, and most states have some equivalent now, um, but it's a federal law that was designed or initially used to go after traditional organized crime, Italian organized crime in New York City, La Cosa Nostra, that kind of thing. Um, and it really, the, the person, I guess, I don't know, maybe ironically or, or hard to believe, but the person who really weaponized it and used it effectively on behalf of the U.S. Department of Justice was... Rudy Giuliani, when he was uh, at the SDNY and at DOJ in the 80s, he, he used it to very aggressively go after the five families in New York City. So let me let me lay out basically what it what it does and does not do. The downside for a prosecutor with RICO is it's a pain in the butt. You have to prove a lot more things than you would in a normal case. That's the downside. The upside, however, is it really expands your reach, your scope um, of what you can charge and when. So what you have to prove, this is extra, first of all, that there was what we call a racketeering enterprise. Now, it sounds like a big deal, and the obvious example would be the mob, but certainly something like the Boogaloo Boys or the Proud Boys can qualify. You can really even, you know, people have charged RICO against labor unions, about against certain corrupt city municipal governments. You don't have to show that the organization itself was illegal per se, but that it was used 
sort of as a criminal criminal venture or vehicle for certain people. So you have to show that. You also have to show what's called a pattern of racketeering activity, which sounds like a big deal, but it just means two or more crimes connected to that organization, right? So in our mob cases, we would say act one, loan sharking, act two, gambling, act three, murder, you know, whatever they were doing. Um, so those are the things you need to prove. Um, the advantages are you get to show a jury sort of the full scope of conduct. You get to say, this isn't just a one-off. This didn't just happen. This is part of an organization, part of a plan. And to get a little more technical even, it also enables you to charge certain state crimes federally. So there's a list of things that you might not, like for example, a run-of-the-mill assault, just a beating. Um, you couldn't really charge as a, as a federal crime on its own. It's a state crime. But if it was connected to, let's say, the Gambino family or the Boogaloo Boys, you can charge it as a racketeering act, as a crime. The other thing it allows you to do, which is not really applicable here, is go back farther in time than you otherwise could. So for the mob families, it would enable us to charge things that were expired under the statute of limitations. As long as you had one thing, one crime in the statute of limitations, you could charge a whole bunch more that were not. So those are the um, pros and cons. It helps at sentencing as well. It helps you sort of stack up a bigger sentence against these guys. So it'll be interesting to see if if that law gets used in this new context. Yeah, because, you know, what, what had come out a little bit earlier in the week last week from The Washington Post was that the FBI was actually looking at these groups like the Oath Keepers or the Boogaloo Proud Boys, whatever, and how they had meeting points mm -hmm. in certain cities on the way to the Capitol. Um, and, you know, like you said, because I'm kind of curious now, yep. perhaps the beating of some of these officers, mm -hmm. um, if it were coordinated and, you know, that that, that could be one of the two uh, crimes in connection with racketeering or some sort of ongoing racketeering. But also, can you f not follow the money, like how these things were funded? Because we have recently got reporting that 2.7 million came from Trump PACs and there was money brought in from the heiress to the public supermarket, like how these things were funded. Could that be brought into it? Sure. So one of the challenges in any racketeering case is proving that it is a racketeering enterprise of some, you know, it is a group that functions. And you know, sometimes it's super obvious. Sometimes like with certain street gangs, they literally tattoo the name of the gang on themselves. And you can say to a jury, how do you know he's a member of, you know, whether it's the Bloods or, or the Latin Kings or whatever group? Well, it's tattooed on him. Now, it can be more difficult than that. We used to say they don't have to have tattoos or, you know, jackets bearing their name. I mean, very few criminal groups do that. And so instead, you look at the way they actually function. You look at the structure. Was there a hierarchy? There doesn't have to be, but that can be good evidence. Um, did they have rituals, practices, traditions, sort of a code? Um, where, where were they funded? Absolutely. That's a big one. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the funding, anyone who provided the funding is part of it. They have to know and intend that it be used for criminal purposes. But yeah, you would, you would want to certainly, if you had a link with the funding, common funding or funding that was used to pay for certain activities, um, yeah, absolutely. That could be part of it. Yeah. And these proud boys and oath keepers, they all have patches and yeah. shirts. There were, there was a group of people who wore shirts like the, you know, January 6th is the Civil War or whatever, you know, like they had. And so they these some of these groups actually do have jackets. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and it's, it's important to say, you know, I'm thinking about like the Hells Angels or something. Right. I mean, they have, you know, jackets and patches and all that stuff. Um, but just being a member of a of a disreputable group or of even a group that's known to be violent is not a crime. It's not a crime to be in the Gambino family. It's not a crime, even though, you know, it's a criminal organization. You have to you still have to prove as a prosecutor 
the commission of two or more crimes, or at least the attempt of, of two or more crimes. And and doesn't Rico, am I correct in assuming that this also kind of seems like it might go after leaders, like like leaderships yeah. of groups? I mean, because as we know, we've seen Stone now, Roger Stone, with videos of him and the Oath Keepers. We've got Flynn, who took the QAnon oath. QAnon could certainly be considered a group. Uh, and so I'm wondering if maybe this isn't a way to also go after not just these, you know, these smaller uh generals that were meeting at these different places to to meet up and go to the Capitol, but maybe some of the instigators. One of the initial intentions behind RICO was to make it easier, I guess, or more feasible to go after leaders of groups like this, because the way that, again, to use the mafia context, the way they operate, the leaders, the bosses, they're not doing anything by their own hands. They're not out there beating people up or, or you know, collecting envelopes of cash. They have people under them who are doing this. And one of the nice features of RICO for prosecutors is if you can show that somebody was a member or including a leader of an organization and knew that his colleagues, his his compatriots were committing these crimes and he, he acceded to them and you know took some benefit from them, whether it's money or prestige or whatever, that's a way you can convict a leader that you really could not under other statutes. Hmm. Interesting. It'll be see, interesting to see where Merrick Garland takes this once he's confirmed, which hopefully will happen this week. We'll see. Um, now, you've got a new podcast coming out, and I want to talk about that, but I need to take a quick break. Will you stick around? Of course. All right. Everybody, we'll be, we'll be right back. C'est bien d'avoir un nouveau un adulte une maison blanche. So in case you don't speak French, I think that means it's nice to have an adult in the White House again. I just learned it from Babbel. It's the number one selling language learning app. This is AG from the Daily Beans. One of my goals for the new year was to learn a new language, and Babbel has made that process addictively fun and easy with bite-sized lessons you actually use in the real world. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. I chose French mostly because I want to work on my accent and pronunciation. As you can tell, I still need a lot of work. And Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. So I can take my Babbel lessons when I'm traveling or hiking or on a walk. And unlike the infamous language classes you took in high school, Babbel designs their courses with practical, real-world conversations in mind, things that you'll use in everyday life. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent, which is what I'm working on. So start your language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code DailyBeans. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com and use code DailyBeans for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to former federal and state prosecutor and CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig. We were discussing RICO charges in the first half of, uh, of this discussion. And now you have, and it's already charting at number seven, a new podcast that's going to be dropping on Preet's Network Cafe. Can you tell us about this new uh, venture that you're on? You know, AJ, I have so much fun coming on this podcast. I thought, well, why don't I try this? You know, try it on my own. Uh, no, I mean, I, I actually sort of mean that. It's, it's, it's I, I love the idea of having a longer format to, to talk to people who are really interested in a topic. So Preet Bharara and I came up with this concept, basically. Um, the podcast is called Third Degree with Ellie Honig. There's a lot of different puns there. You know, you give someone the third degree, and I'll give you the other twist in a second. But we decided to sort of expedite this and do a daily impeachment primer, where every day, starting on Monday, it will be 10 minutes or less. It will be me explaining what to look for, what happened yesterday in impeachment, and what's coming up the next day. So it will 
be a daily sort of pocket-sized, nice little encapsulation of the impeachment trial. We're going to carry it on beyond then. Um, what we're going to do eventually is we're going to work in law student co-hosts. We, we auditioned a bunch from around the country, and we found three great ones. I don't want to give away who they are just yet or where they are, but they are going to be sitting with me once sort of impeachment clears and we get into um, you know past impeachment on a weekly basis, and, and we're going to talk law. I'm going to sit down one, one at a time each week and uh, have these sort of brilliant, bright, young law students. But yeah, please uh, check it out. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on anywhere you get podcasts. I, unfortunately, I now seem to be functioning as IT for my parents and all their friends. I don't see the subscribe button. Where is it? It's the purple one that says subscribe. <laughs> but everyone will figure it out. Um and uh, it'll be me in 10 minutes or less. You can listen to it. I literally listened to the first episode while I was driving to the hoagie shop, sub shop for people not from Philly, to pick up sandwiches with my son. 10 minutes. I will give you everything you need to know each morning. All right. So this is so great because now we can get uh, a deep dive into the impeachment because, you know, we cover it here, but, you know, we do it. We have we cover all yeah. the news so it doesn't get as much of a spotlight. But you're going to be doing this daily while the impeachment is happening. So anyone who needs that in-depth coverage of what's going on in the impeachment trial now has a now has a place to get it. So I think that that's absolutely incredible. And, I, and is that sort of what prompted you to do this is that you people people just need the info and, and one place to get it? It is. So, you know, look, it's going to be on all day long, but people have jobs and responsibilities and family. The good news is I'm going to be ignoring mine and I will be doing this to make life uh, easier for everybody. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's how we put together the the Mueller uh, yep. podcast. It was it was initially supposed to be 15 minutes. What's going on in the Mueller investigation today? It ended up being two hour <laughs> right, shows. Right, of <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping I'm really like rooting for you to keep these to 10 minutes. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the kind of the concept. The first one came out to like a 1050 or something. And I said, we have to get it under 10 minutes. They said, yeah, but some of that's the credits in the intro. You can't count that against you. No. So if you take out the credits in the intro, it's it, we, we hit 10 minutes for the first one. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot going on in this impeachment trial. I mean, I'm still, I'm still wondering, do you remember in the first impeachment when Mitch McConnell was like, all right, each side has 24 hours, but you have to do it in oh, two yeah. days. And like, yeah. And, and they still haven't told us, you know, this is really make it up as you go. Right. I mean, that's the way impeachment is, but as of this moment, the leaders are still out there trying to hash out how many hours, how many days. They don't even I mean, it's starting to sound like the Democrats may not even call witnesses. They may just say, well, everyone saw everything good enough, um, which I think has pros and cons. But, yeah, we don't know what structure this is even going to take yet. I don't know that the senators even know yet. So we will see. Yeah. And we've spoken to a few uh, folks about that because, you know, I think both sides have an interest in getting this done fairly quickly they want to keep it under 21 days is my understanding and and uh and as lindsey graham actually pointed out who i never agree with but he's like you call one witness you're gonna to have to call a thousand you know and because that's how that's sort of how investigations uh, work although what did you think of when uh <laughs> when raskin and the impeachment manager on the house side asked trump to be deposed and uh, that response letter from um, from Schoen was pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was a smart move by Raskin because they're calling out Trump's nonsense. They know he'll never come in and testify, right? A at a minimum, he would he would f take the fifth or try to f tie it up in courts. But I think it was a really smart move because 
you know, you just expose that Donald Trump, as for all his bluster, is never willing to come in and back it up. I mean, here, here's a, you know, what's one thing Donald Trump never did during his four years in office? He said he wanted to, but he never did. He never testified under oath. I mean, this is a guy who spouts off on, in the old days, at least on Twitter, from behind the the lectern in the White House, from Air Force One, on Fox News, anywhere he can go. He's got big opinions and he's boisterous and he's brash. But when you say, oh, good, why don't you come on in and take an oath and say it? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, then he gets a little a little shy. So I think Raskin was just reminding us of all that. I mean, look, if they want to push the issue, they can seek a subpoena. That'll end up in a legal fight. I mean, we just that'll take months. And even if it's expedited, it'll take weeks. And I don't think there's any political appetite for that. I think strategically, you probably would want to pursue that as a prosecutor. But this is a political process. Yeah. And I, I think the whole point like you said was because the the uh, Trump's legal team made a big mistake by replying to the Dems brief as opposed to just filing their own brief because in replying then Raskin's like oh you're lying a bunch come say it to our face and then you know and and oh and if you if you don't we reserve the right to say that you you know you 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 fucked yeah. up by by refusing to come and do it and and of course his his uh, his uh, attorney is like well he's the president and I you know I think it'll be really interesting the first question should be do you think Trump is the president of the United States <laughs> right. because that'll back him into a corner right then then if if he thinks he is then that justifies his lies it's crazy and it's like. First of all, the biggest mistake they made in their brief that the lawyers was raising this election fraud thing. They say, well, mm. uh, there's 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 too much evidence both ways. And who can say? And we therefore deny that those claim those election fraud claims were false. I mean, are you nuts? And the question I would like to who see can say uh, here. Here's what I would. Yeah, maybe here's what I would like to see the senators ask if I had one question of Trump's lawyers. Do you agree that Donald Trump truly and fairly lost the 2020 election? Yes or no? Because if the answer is yes, I agree, Donald Trump truly and fairly lost the 2020 election, then good. We can put that lie to bed. But if it's anything other than that, then they're promoting the lie on the floor of the Senate. That's going to make it really hard for even, you know, I mean, there's some Republican senators who I think will convict, but even those who are on the fence, if you push this lie from the floor of the Senate, you're going to make it harder and harder for, let's say, the Mitch McConnells to to vote not guilty. So it puts them to their proof. And um, I, I'll be interested to see, see how they try to respond to that question. Mm. Yeah. And not only that, but if you insinuate he didn't lose, that means he's the president. So your argument about yeah. impeaching a past president goes out the window. Good point. Good point. Yeah. They they, they only call him the 45th president, the 45th president. It's like, oh, my goodness, this yeah. whole like this whole like a uh, magical thinking thing is contagious to anyone around Trump. If you just wish it, you can make it. So it's crazy. Yeah. They're they're arguing that he's still the president and that he shouldn't be impeached because he's not the president anymore. Right. It's just the weirdest. Eh, it's, you know what? Hey. You, you get the you get the lawyers you hire, <laughs> I guess, is the, <laughs> is the, is the uh, lesson. But thank you for explaining that to us. I look forward to listening to these deep dives into impeachment. I think it's going to be a really important podcast, and I encourage everyone to look for it. It's called The Third Degree. It's out today. It's on Preparar's network, and it's going to be awesome. So, Ellie, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much, AJ. I appreciate it. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. 
Hey everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is presented by Scouts Honor. As pet parents, working from home has given us more time to spend with our furry four-legged family members, but now we're more aware of their daily needs and their health issues and their well-being. So if you've noticed that your pet maybe is more itchy than normal or smells less than pleasant, you need to check out Scouts Honor. Scouts Honor is my go-to pet brand for grooming products. It helps with itch relief, odor control, and overall healthier skin and coat. I recently got the Grooming Essentials Kit with probiotic shampoo, conditioner, and deodorizer, and Olive has never looked or smelled better. Scouts Honor's probiotic grooming products are scientifically proven, and they're a natural solution for treating your pet's skin problems. When applied to the skin, probiotics support healthy bacteria and fight against bad bacteria that cause irritation and stinkiness. So you can choose from their amazing fragrances like honeysuckle and lavender. My personal favorite right now is sandalwood vanilla, which they call dog of the woods, which I love. And with every purchase, this is important. Scouts Honor provides one day's worth of meals for a rescue animal. With Scouts Honor, your pet will never look, feel, or smell better. So check out all Scouts Honor's award-winning products today, available online or wherever pet supplies are sold. To receive 20% off your first order, go to scoutshonor.com slash dailybeans. Remember, that's scouts with a K at scoutshonor.com slash dailybeans for 20% off your order. Scouts Honor, natural and preventative grooming solutions for pets. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Okay, this is the uh, everyone's favorite part of the show when uh, we take a listener submitted good news, confessions, corrections, anything you want to send in. You can do that, personal or political stories, whatever you feel is a good news story. You can send it to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Uh, I'll kick us off here, Dana. The first submission is from Donna. Pronouns she and her. Dear AG and DG, I just love the blocks when you two are together. You play off each other so well. When you get each other tickled, it just feels so good to hear you both giggling like teenagers. <laughs> I was particularly amused by your recent discussion about spiders, so I thought I would share my favorite Spidey cartoon. It may help you fear them less. The last pick is of my three meatloafs going hard at their favorite sport, sun soaking. Okay, here's a cartoon. What if the coins you find randomly at the bottom of drawers and in between couch cushions are actually from spiders trying to pay rent? <laughs> and there's this little spidey guy handing oh, you with a, a little a coin. coin. Just a tiny coin. Now that's an adorable spider. That is. Okay, look at these babies. Oh, they're so beautiful. Mm. We got all the colors. We have like a Neapolitan cat collection here. Not really mm. chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla, but more like orange sherbet, vanilla, and chocolate. Mm-hmm. So cute. Look at the loafs. Thank you for trying to dissuade me from my spider fears. It has not helped yet, but I appreciate all the all the help. Um, this next one, good news is from Lori, pronouns she and her. In response to AG's question about what happens when no one in the house can handle spiders, here's a story. I live in a house with four other ladies in undergrad. None of us were spider people. We discovered early on that if we scream loud enough upon encountering an arachnid, one of the five guys who lived in the house next door would come running. Hilarious. One in particular would show up with a jar and scoop the spider in, secure the lid, and take it away. Away was to his house, um, where he released it into the bed of one spider-averse guy who lived in the house. His screams were audible in our house, but we did not return the rescue favor oh my god that's amazing for tax i have included it and i also never want you living next to me lady um oh my god Lori, that's so funny though for tax i've included a picture of my daughter savannah who is seven with her first snow woman she's medically complex and this is the first year she's been able to play out in the snow safely how wonderful she was very excited 
And also a picture of our dog Macintosh with his Halloween pumpkin. Um, that is Macintosh and the pumpkin are hilarious. This dog is so skeptical of me. Oh my God. Oh, and look at your daughter. Oh, I, I want that whole outfit in my Savannah size. looks amazing. I know. I want the gloves. I want the hat. I want the scarf. Mm. Oh my goodness. That Snow Woman's fantastic. It's almost as tall as she is. I love that <laughs> so she could cute. play outside safety, Lori. That, uh, that is fantastic news. Wonderful news. That dog is killing me. He's so skeptical. It took me a second at the angle to find his front paws. I was mm. like, is this, where are the, oh, there they are. He looked like a little <laughs> T-Rex dog for a second. He's kind of dancing. It's, yeah. it's pretty great. Next to a pumpkin that says by Don on it. Dogs for Joe. Hashtag dogs for Joe. Love it. Uh, next up from Kelly, pronouns she and her. Designated spider relocation team report. <laughs> Hey, Beans Queens. Just wanted to pop in and share a silly story relating to your spider inquiry. I'm quite chronically solo at the moment, but luckily I'm pleased to move spiders to their proper homes from inside mine. After many years as a Girl Scout camp counselor, you eventually come to believe your own stories. You tell your campers like, oh, no, Susie, we can't move that spider. That's the unit mascot. (laughs) You all need to vote on what we will name her this week. She's the protector of the bathrooms. Without her to eat the bugs, we'd get mosquito bites in the shower. As long as we let her be up there, she's got no need to bother you. Anyhow, several years after my time working at camp, I had a full-time internship that was the entirety of my last semester of undergrad. Apparently, my pro spider energy had become a visible energy at this point because I had not been at my internship site for five hours when a super had a, I had not been there for five hours when a supervisor called my name in terror. I rushed to the room. Uh, She was in to find her cowering from a spider she asked me to get rid of. As I relocated the creature, I looked at her and asked how she knew I, of all the new interns, would be willing to move the spider, and she told me she could tell by looking at me. I still wonder about this sometimes. Guess the friend of the spider's achievement is a visible upgrade. (laughs) Bonus current news. I beat COVID and I'm back to work. Very thankful to be doing well, considering I age out of my insurance this month. For my pet tax, I decided to be a little wild and choose a photo I took on a day trip during my time as a camp counselor. My campers got to feed this zebra from a bucket on a hayride, and I loved it. With and they loved it with their whole souls. It still brings me sunshine to remember those. That days. is gorgeous. Look how cute zebras' ears are from the front. I didn't even know that they looked like that. I didn't either. Now, Kelly, I was a Girl Scout camp counselor, and so I am an okay with spiders as well. I'm wondering if that's where it comes from. And I'm interested to know what your camp name was. I had a few. So Kelly, write me back and let me know. I was known as Columbia when I taught archery from Columbia from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. And, uh, and Stimpy uh, also was uh, when I was teaching horseback riding. So I'm interested to know what your camp name was and uh, what camps you were at. Because I was at Maripai in Arizona, Arizona Cactus Pine Girl Scout Council. So that was a really, really fun time because it's like summers between, you know, when you're a junior, senior in high school, freshman in college or, you know, up to grad school. And you go out in the summers and you just work at the Girl Scout camps. Well, I, too, was a camp counselor, except I was a counselor at a music camp, which can explain why I don't like spiders. Because <laughs> we're kind of, <laughs> it was a band camp. All right. This next one, <laughs> we're moving on. Different band camp stories for a different podcast. Yes. This is for Jeffrey. Pronouns he and him. This is from Jeffrey. It's not for Jeffrey. Although, Jeffrey, maybe I can give you something later. <laughs> uh, longtime listener, first time caller. I'm blessed to have found your beans a year ago. I listen to many podcasts, but this is the only one I'm a patron of. I wanted to forward my pet 
excuse me, my tax pet pics. I'm a cameraman in Hollywood, but when I'm not filming, I like to build industrial furniture, heavy hardware. Uh, link in the links from the listeners section of the newsletter. There will be a link there. Um, I bring this up because the first photo I submitted has a roll of metal that was lying around when I looked over and my cat West was sunning himself. Thought it was a fun photo. Um, also pictured was a pic I took a few years ago when I was looking for a cat for my ranch in Colorado for mice control. But as you can see, I had to pick up both brother and sister, baby girl and Cliff, uh, when they were young and cuddly. Then my favorite and most treasured photo, myself and Leonard. I've had him for 16 years. He's my partner in crime. I find the photograph amusing, and I hope you do too. AG, you and now Dana are real pros. I really appreciate your perspective and professionalism, mostly laughing out loud. <laughs> and plus your true goodness uh, you convey across the airwaves. You're most welcome in these trying times. Just wanted to let you know you're slaying it. Keep up the great job. Swear on. <laughs> Swear on. This is a really cool picture of this Ooh. cat in this piece of metal with the sun coming through. It's like wow i can't yeah. i don't even know how to describe it i can't wait for everyone to see it but it's very that cat is like godlike oh my god jeffrey the picture <laughs> the picture of you and the cat in the office is adorable you can just see the eyes and the like the <laughs> the top of each of you it's very very sweet awesome and it's uh it's called heavy hardware is where the industrial furniture is so that's very cool and a cameraman in hollywood we might need you jeffrey so yeah send your contact information these kitties, look at this little paired, bonded pair of so, kitties. So, so sweet. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Next up from, pro, uh, from pronouns. Next up from pronouns. <laughs> no, Lisa. <laughs> pronouns she and her. First of all, I adore the addition of Dana to the pod. Been a huge fan of her comedy for so long, and the first day I heard her voice in the pod, I was thrilled. Thank for you. My, mm-hmm, for my good news, I'm the senior accountant for a nonprofit hospital in a very red county in Maryland. It's a tough place for progressives to live and work. My asshole QAnon next door neighbor still have their huge Trump signs and flags all over their property. I have to be very careful about what I say in the office since I'm surrounded by Trumpers. Quite by accident, I discovered that a single coworker in the office next to mine is also a progressive. <laughs> she mentioned something she had seen on TV the night before, and I'd seen it too on Rachel Maddow's show. We figured out quickly we were of kindred spirits. We were overjoyed to have found each other. And we often have our crazy socialist discussions in whispers so as not to incite the Trumpers. Crazy socialist is in quotes. At Inauguration Day, we celebrated quietly with constant texts back and forth. Neither of us is alone in this GOP desert. We have each other. And every day we comment on how wonderful it is to have a like-minded colleague. And a little more good news, I was able to get my vaccine dose number two last week. As pod pet tags, I present my best doggos. Daisy is a nine-year-old German short-haired pointer lab mix. She is my heart that walks outside my body. When she was a puppy, my husband passed suddenly, and she was the reason I kept going. I threw myself into training her. She came up from a shelter and was a very difficult puppy. Not mean, but just very aloof. Our obedience training has really helped to settle her, and she's become the finest dog I've ever had. She still doesn't really like every person she meets, but neither do I. (laughs) And yes, you can tell from her picture she's totally judging you. The other pick is my seven-year-old black lab, Ranger. He's a typical lab, fun-loving, food-loving, always ready for a belly rub and snuggles. Very sweet boy. They're the finest companions I could have ever asked for, and they helped me navigate at the pandemic by making my home seem less empty. Thank you both again for all you do and keeping me company every weekday morning in the dark on my back deck as I keep an eye on the dogs while they run in the backyard. You and the community we've created together has been a bright place in these dark times. What a beautiful submission. Lisa, I'm sending you love. I'm so sorry you lost your love, Mm. Um, but that you had these pups. The last picture. The last picture. 
Little tongue, just a little tongue. It's the black lab with a little blep, and it's amazing. A little blep. And the, the, that is a very judgy daisy. She's very mm, she's Excuse beautiful. me? That's a, excuse me? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you, talk, you talking to me? Talking to me? Yeah. Sending you love, Lisa. I'm glad that you have a good community here, and thank you for being a fan. Uh, the next submission is anonymous, pronouns she and her. Maybe this is a testament to how horrible things have gotten, the number of losses we have suffered as individuals and as a collective, but I began absolutely vibrating with joy when my mom texted me this morning that she and my stepdad received their first dose of Moderna vaccine in Humboldt County. Then a little while later, I heard that another two separate friends of mine who are also in the 65 to 75 range uh, have appointments next Thursday here in Santa Clara County. Fantastic. Not only am I thrilled for them and utterly relieved that the possibility of more decent life is coming, but this news has given me um, some much needed shot in the arm, smiley face, in terms of hope, which is helping me through the pandemic wall today. For the first time in a while, I have been able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Looking forward to us all being able to move around the world safely again. Amen to that, Anonymous. Yeah, yeah, it is it is a good feeling. Uh, and just Friday alone, we gave over 2.2 million vaccines in one day. That's uh, more than double the goal of 100 million shots in 100 arms in the, er, in the first 100 days. 100 million shots in 100 arms. Oh, my God, that would be very dangerous. Don't do Ugh. that. Uh, next up from uh, Natalie, pronoun she and her. Good news. I got my second vaccination on Monday. Excellent. I'm one of the lucky ones who has accomplished just about all of the side effects, uh, side effects listed. Uh, oh, how I love checklists. As I was balled onto the bathroom floor for one glorious night, there really was nothing more for me to do other than wonder if any part of my skin was actually touching the tile floor since I share a bathroom with my man half. I'm in healthcare, <laughs> so I could get a real I could get real graphic, but I'll hold back. Anyways, the experience almost brought me back to high school when I drank too much Zima and my sister's best friend's wedding and had bridesmaids holding my hair while I violently vomited into a crapper. So anyways, I'm back from the dead now. So, for my pod tax, I gift you with photos of my tutor snooters. Gabby, my blonde, is a very sweet poop-eating farter girl. She's nasty. <laughs> Bubba is my lover boy. He's a gigantic softy beggar uh, who only wanted meats until he ate my Fig Newtons one day uh, when I went to the post office. Now he has a sweet tooth. So, yeah, they're both fuckers, but I love them. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for your podcast. I've been listening from the beginning when the sound quality was quite airy, but the cursing was a delight. Thank you. Aww. Natalie, what a fantastic submission. I really do love the way a lot of these uh, listeners write. Mm. I, I often wonder what they do in their free time, and I feel like some of them should write more. So. Yeah, the very sweet poop-eating farter girl. She's nasty. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for these stories. What a bunch of great news. Please keep sending us in your stories, your vaccination success and side effect stories, whatever is going on. We want to hear from you. Um, and it's just there's so much. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more joy uh, in the coming months and would love to share it with the, this community because it's what we've been waiting for. I absolutely agree. I mean, in, in being as close as we are, that's what we need to do. We shared in the misery of the last five years. And I say five because ever since he came onto the scene um, and we should celebrate in the joys. So I'm glad that everyone's here for it. I'm here for it. Yep. We worked hard for it. So let's enjoy it. And you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And of course, if you have a dispute, you need settled in your home. Uh, maybe if it's just a dispute with pets, we get a lot of those. You can send them in. Amy's here on Fridays for Amy's court. So 
send that into and uh, continue to listen this week. We've got a lot of great comedians coming in to to talk about their stories with the pandemic and and where they you know what they think about politics and policies and new projects they're doing and it's it's going to be it's going to be good for some laughing and uh we we all could use that too uh and so thank you i don't have anything else do you have anything else before we get out of here no i'm locking this down i'm gonna go have a margarita and i'm gonna hopefully watch mahomes beat tom brady oh uh i don't know what sound that was but that's i don't my... know what voice that was either i think we should leave very quietly out the back door mm. Yes, I will back away into the shrubs like Homer Simpson, but not before I say, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of your mental health, and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans Podcast. Do you ever listen to the podcast and then like scream your opinions into the abyss hoping we can somehow hear you? I do this all the time when I listen to podcasts. But now you actually can. We are going live on the Stereo app where you can ask Dana and I your questions directly. So join us for the Daily Beans After Party and Q&A for uncensored opinions and exclusive content only available on the Stereo app. Uh, I love Stereo. I'm on the app talking all the time. Follow me and get notified every time I go live. Uh, We'll take a deep dive into a variety of topics and interact directly with our listeners. Uh, Download the Stereo app and follow us at Stereo.com slash Allison Gill. And we'll have a link in the show description. And then join us over on the Stereo app. Stereo app has thousands of live social conversations and a wide range of genres of very interesting topics, including news, comedy, sports, whatever, whatever you're into. So you choose whether you want to be a co-host, participate as a guest, or simply listen in on exclusive conversations. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. This is the post-roll for Stereo. Don't miss our Daily Beans After Party over on the Stereo app. We will be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, And I'll also be on there with Andrew Torres at 5 p.m. Tuesday Pacific time. And we want to hear from you. Our first Stereo show went a little bit like this. What what does it take for the GOP to say, no, that's enough. Uh, Get out of here. Honest, honestly, AG, I feel like someone would have to come out as pro-choice. I feel like at this point, that's the only thing that would get them expelled from the GOP if someone was like, I support Black people and I'm pro-choice. And they'd be like, see ya. Stereo is the app for live social conversations, and we want to talk directly with you, uh, our listeners. So you can join our show, ask questions about anything, news, politics, anything, and share your experiences and opinions, too. We want to hear everything. So download the app now and join us live this week. Link to our show in the description and join us over on the Stereo app.